Welcome to the Hotel Moment Podcast, presented by Revenate, the podcast where we talk to leaders in the hospitality industry. If you're looking for trends, perspectives, and stories from leaders in travel and hospitality, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome everyone to the Hotel Moment Podcast. I am your host, Karen Stevens, the Chief Revenue Officer of Revenate. And today I am delighted to be joined by Heidi Casillo, who is the Vice President of Revenue Effectiveness at Ambridge Hospitality. Welcome, Heidi. Hi. Thanks, Karen. It's great to be here today. You know what? I am so excited to have you here. You know, it's like we, I was just saying before we started recording, I have the pleasure of interviewing a lot of heavy hitters in the industry and to have somebody with your background. I mean, Ambridge Hospitality is the world's largest, in case our listeners not aware, the world's largest third-party management company, 1,500 hotels. Is that right? Right around there, north of there? Yes, right around there, globally, 1,500. Globally, 1,500 hotels. So to be a vice president of our organization, and you've also moved your way up through that organization over 16 years now uh, within the company. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, I started right as like one of the original revenue managers on the team and just kind of, you know, paved my path from there. Wow. And it's grown so much at formerly interstate hotels. And then it's just really over the last, I mean, kind of talk to us just a little bit about the trajectory. And then we're going to get into the heart of the, the podcast, but it's really such an amazing story of growth there. Yeah, of course. So Ambridge started out as a, a pretty small company on a napkin idea between Les Bentley and Dave Johnson. When I joined the company, we had 21 hotels. So still kind of small. It was one of those moments in my career where I didn't realize how much of a risk I was taking. At the time, when you're older and you've been around the industry a little more, you kind of understand a small management company has some great benefits and some risks. And it was hands down, best risk that I ever took. I started as the second revenue manager here at Ambridge. And then as the company grew, the department grew and we were able to really define the culture of our department of what revenue management should be for Ambridge. Ambridge then kind of took on some good partnerships from an ownership perspective and doubled in size every year except 2008 when we had that recession, 2009, we did not lose any hotels. We actually gained one. Uh, we just didn't double in size. But then after that, continued to double in size every year until essentially 2020. And that was kind of an amazing thing to sit and watch. And you think, how can you be at 300 hotels and double? Oh, how can we be at 600 hotels and double? How does that happen? And, and just through some good M&As, um, smart decision-making, it really did double in size. So it's great to kind of sit back and watch. Well, you know what? Yeah. And I have to say full appreciation for, you know, I've, we've been through an M&A over here at Revenate as well um, in 2021. And for those listeners who haven't been through that, it's a lot of work. And I'm sure doubling in size when you're taking on all those hotels and just how you operational operationalize that, get everybody on the same page in terms of the culture and processes and everything else. I mean, that is admirable to double every single year. That is a mountain of work. So uh, kudos to you and the team because <laughs> it is a mountain of work. And I cannot even count now how many MA deals we've kind of been a part of. And it's really just a fantastic learning experience, right? You get to onboard 100 hotels at a time, but you're also onboarding, you know, 15 staff members just into revenue. Forget what accounting is doing and what finance is doing and the hotels and the GMs and, and all of that. So it's been kind of fun to say, hey, welcome aboard. And 
oftentimes we get to say welcome back. It's a small industry. So if you leave Ambridge, you're probably going to get acquired and come back. You'll be back eventually. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. Okay. Well, we'll back up now and start with my five questions that I ask uh, every guest. And maybe we've already hit the first one, but you can let me know. So when did you first start working in the industry? And do you remember your first day on the job? I do. So I started working in 20 or 2000. So in summer through college, like summer internships. And I actually started with Omni Hotels right at the front desk. So a lot of that sort of operational experience really is the baseline of the first five years of my hospitality career. So I started there my first day. I remember we had to wear these scarves as part of it. So you had a a formal suit, which, you know, at the age of 19, you've never really worn a formal suit. And it came with a skirt and had this scarf and there was all this debate at the front desk. How do you really tie this? And what do the different colors mean? And, and it, so it's just sort of that presence that you had to have at the desk working for that type of hotel company. And it came with that scarf. And then I remember really that being the first opportunity I stood on my feet for eight hours and knowing like, oh, these shoes aren't going to work, right? And having to go that night and buy a different pair of shoes to make sure that I could kind of get through the entire summer. So but I loved it. Um, it helped accelerate my learning path and going back to school, really understanding that I chose the right path. And then I continued on through summers with Omni and post-graduation with them as well. So it was a good experience. Excellent. I love that. And I think, you know, it really does give you street cred for, for lack of a better word when you come up literally through the ranks. So you really understand what happens operationally at a hotel, what it's like to be on the front lines working with guests. So that's, that's really cool. Very cool. Okay. So our second question, what is your most uplifting moment so far in your career? So I love this question. Um, About five or six years ago, uh, I took on my first VP role and it was because of an acquisition that we had done. And I was kind of granted this whole team from a different perspective, right? I had had people report to me before, but never in a leadership capacity where I'm having to lead leaders, essentially. And I, I had this opportunity to onboard this entire 200 hotel portfolio, teach them, you know, Ambridge culture, Ambridge revenue strategy, and then kind of onboard them to the company like that. I had an open director position. So I had the opportunity to identify somebody who could be a good fit and wanted to make sure that I did that within the group that we took on so that we could show, hey, we're here to develop you and we want to make sure that you have a good future within Ambridge as well. So there was a woman that was within that group who with every meeting that we had and every opportunity that came up, she challenged the status quo. Well, I get that we need to do that, but why are we doing that? Why is that important? I don't agree with that. Help me understand. Help me agree. And she really just reminded me of me, right? Like there was an opinion to everything. It was a strong formed an opinion. And she challenged everything that I said. And I thought, you know, she is great at developing other people too, but she was going to be great at developing me into what I needed. And so I immediately identified her and promoted her into a director level position. She is still with us today. She has bounced around to a couple of different really challenging portfolios and is really well known right now for her ability to develop others and work with our ownership groups as well. So I'm super proud of her. And it was the first time that I could really identify and promote into a leadership role as opposed to just promoting from like a, an entry level to an area manager role. So 
I love that. I love that because I think a lot of leaders, like even when you were telling that story, I was like, oh my gosh, I know the kind of person you're talking about. You're trying to train and then you're like, you are driving me bananas. But you actually were like, in addition to you driving me bananas, I actually actually see the leadership potential in you. So I'm going to kind of bottle that up. And I love that, you know, instead of, you know, saying, all right, that's enough. It's like actually promoting her through the ranks and, and realizing that, holding up a mirror to us and, and pushing us to drive strategy is, is what you need, right? So that that's an awesome story. I love that. Okay. The next one is a little bit more on a personal level. So what is your most striking experience so far in terms of a holiday or a food experience or a stay that you've had personally? I love this question. So I was blessed growing up by having a family that did a lot of travel My dad had a bunch of personal goals he wanted to meet as far as like locations and things like that. And he was very big on never going to the same place twice because there's too much in life to experience. And he was big on different uh, culture aspects and ensuring that his kids were rounded and not just knowing locally what was available, domestically what was available, but he wanted global children. And so we did a lot of world travel. And when I was 20, I had the opportunity to go to Tanzania. So we've been on an African safari. And when you're talking about like different types of experiences, it's going to open your eyes for a lot of different reasons. But most of them is really like you're in the middle of a junk, like a desert jungle scenario, right? There's wild animals all around you. There's security, but it's for the animals, for your own personal safety. And then you have these beautiful, all-inclusive resorts that sort of sit in the middle of all of this. So you get to experience wildlife in a way that you've never experienced, culture in a way that you've never experienced. But the defining moment of that entire trip, which still to this day makes me laugh, and I've, I've told my kids the story a million times, is we'd stayed in a tent camp. And... It was a luxury tent camp. You know, they had bathrooms, they had floors. It was was lovely. And I asked when we went to check in, well, where's my tea? And I can never to this day, like the person's face, they were trying not to laugh in a like bless your heart type scenario, but they'd go, it's the zipper, honey. (laughs) And I was like, I can't lock my door. Like there's no door to lock. It is just a zipper. (laughs) It is literally a tent. Um, And that was just sort of this memorable experience for me. And Next year, we actually are um, taking our children uh, back for that same experience. And I'm just so excited to be able to share that with them as well. That is so cool. That's my one of my bucket list items is a safari, you know, go to Africa and see the animals. So that is very cool. Very cool. It will change your life if you get a chance to do it. I, I'm going to make a chance to do it because that sounds so cool. <laughs> get myself a tent, no key. Exactly. <laughs> it's strange. I still to this day. <laughs> Somebody were like, this is how things work. And then you're like, nope, not everywhere. <laughs> so have you met, fourth question, have you met any celebrities while you've been uh, working in hotels? So, of course, it's been a long time since I've been actually at the hotel level, but I do remember a combination of a couple of events. Working with Omni, they had here in Dallas, they had the sports contracts. So the visiting professional teams were staying at the hotel, but you also ended up meeting more local celebrities too. So um, I've met and checked in Jerry Jones a few times. For those that are like old school cowboy fans, when Emmett Smith left Dallas and went to Arizona, Arizona traveled back to Dallas 
So we got to be there and check in Emmett Smith for his first game back to Dallas. A very lovely gentleman. Met him several times. But I think really for me, like when you talk about meeting somebody famous that defines a moment in your life, I was actually working for Weston Hotels at the time. And this cosmetic guru came in, like a big, big rig cosmetic guru. And I won't mention any names, but wanted to party that night and wanted to find out a way to party. And was like, hey, how can you help me? I want to gamble. And I'm like, well, this is Dallas. You know, you're in Texas. We don't allow gambling, but you can go to Oklahoma or Shreveport or whatever, but they're several hours away. And he goes, okay, well, get me a plane and put his, you know, black American Express card down. And that was the first time I'd ever seen really one of those. And I was like, I don't How? where do we go? How do we get a plane? <laughs> How do we get a plane within an hour? Like, is this even a thing? And um, so uh, that was a new experience in my life to, you know, call around. Uh, hey, I need a private jet. How much does that cost? It's like $35,000. No problem. Here's the card number, right? And off they went to Shreveport for the evening on a private jet. And so it's kind of a defining experience of, yes, the answer is always yes, we can. I don't ever really know how I'm going to do that. And I say defining because in the role that I'm in now, everything that I do, is something I've never done before. So it really kind of helps to lean back on those moments. Well, shoot, you managed to rent a private jet for somebody in a matter of two hours. You can put together this new report that somebody's looking for. It's not a problem. Amen. I love that. Super interesting. That is so cool. (laughs) That's so cool. Okay. Last question. I have a feeling this will be difficult for you because I bet a lot of people come to mind, but who are the women at work you have been most inspired by? I love this question. And within Ambridge, we've worked really hard to establish an employee resource group for the women. Uh, And I sit on that um, sort of executive committee, essentially, for what we call AWE, which is Ambridge Women Excelling. So I get to work with a a fantastic group of women trying to use their volunteer time at work to excel and push women at Ambridge even further. And we are a very female diverse company, about 55 to 60% female led globally out of our 55,000 employees. So we try to touch not just corporate office, but also those field-based members as well. So there are a couple of women within that initial group that I get to work with on a daily basis that really help inspire change. And one of them is well-known within the hospitality industry and technology, Karen McNamara. And she leads our group. So I'm not sure if you've heard her name before, but she is the head of, of AWE right now, the executive chairman, chairwoman. And some of the things that you can just learn from her are like, she's very um, methodical in her thinking and speaking. So she wants to make sure that once we've met the meeting that we've stayed on track. So she's very good at bringing you back to center and making sure you stayed on track and then setting actual dates and times and plans and so things that move forward. And she wanted to make sure that when we launched AWE back in March, that it really made a bang. Like it was, Hey, this is big. It's important to us. It's going to stick. We're going to do something every single month. So she makes sure that, hey, is there something on the calendar every single month? Does it make sense? Is it within our budget parameters? How can it be a big bang? And I just really have enjoyed working with her and learning from her. And then there is a um, kind of a, not necessarily a co-chair, but another woman that um, is newer to Ambridge. And she's in charge of our corporate philanthropy and community support, Emily Gerstner. And uh, she's just been a joy to work with too. She came to us from um, American Heart and she's kind of taught you how to 
in a way, like, I, I think it's a, it's kind of a funny thing, but how to ask for support within your community and how to give and show support within the community. And so to remember that, hey, we're not just here to serve just Ambridge and the women in Ambridge, but we're here to also serve the women within the community of Plano in North Texas. So she does a beautiful job making sure that we stay focused on, on those items as well. That is That's amazing. just my short list. I think I know. Going. <laughs> I know. I always feel bad for that question because people are like, oh my gosh, there's so many people I need to list here. So <laughs> I know. And I don't even touch on my mother and grandmother and, you know, this familial support. I just kind of kept it within Ambridge, but yeah. 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 Well, those are great. And it's really cool to hear that there's an organization within the company that focuses on that. And, you know, um, and you're also part of an industry group that helps women in hospitality. Can you talk a little bit about that group as well? Are you referring to the travel, women's travel network? Um, Yeah, that's the one. I'm sorry. Is it travel network, travel and hospitality? Yes. 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 And they just had a big conference this week out in Nashville. I was not able to attend, but I've heard just beautiful things about some of the speakers and some of the events that they hosted too. So I'm excited to kind of get the rundown on what happened and hopefully attend next year. But yeah, they meet quarterly. It is great because it's a little bit like mentoring. It's women across all hospitality networks. So it's not just focused on hotels. There's like car rentals and restaurants and cruise ships and things like that. So you kind of get to connect with women who are powering other industries related to hospitality and how they are kind of working through some of their opportunities and challenges as well. So Very cool. Yeah. All right. We'll be sure to link that in the show notes just in case anybody wants to take a look. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you for that, Heidi. Okay. So I have a few questions for you. The first one is your title. So Vice President of Revenue Effectiveness. So we see revenue management a lot, but can you give us a little idea of effectiveness, what that means and what that means in terms of your title and what you do every day? Of course, and I'll throw you for a big loop because I was just promoted a couple of weeks ago to a senior vice president, but it's not oh. really official until tomorrow. So, hey, hopefully. all right, <laughs> we'll make sure on the outro. All right, yeah, we can update the intro. But um, so I have a really unique role. Um, my boss is Andrew Rubinacci, uh, who is very well known uh, in the very well. Industry. I know Andrew from IHG, so shout yes. out to Andrew. <laughs> exactly, and he's been phenomenal in helping kind of support our department. When he joined us two years ago, he said, hey, if uh, Ambridge is going to grow and be like a brand, which is how we want to position ourselves, we need a little more support and diversity within our department to be able to help support that. And by diversity, he means we have several VPs and we're all doing exactly the same thing. It kind of columns up. We're doing the same thing as the RVP, as the RDR, as the ADR, like it's all doing the same thing. There's nobody focused on the needs and the values of running the actual department from a corporate perspective. So he put this position in place and I uh, shifted into the uh, enablement or effectiveness role. So I am all corporate support. So I work on tools and technology, training and development, vendor relationships, contracts that we put forward any kind of like presentation or skill subsets, internal departmental relationships. So everything required to keep the department functioning so the other VPs can focus on hotel performance and owner relations. What a cool job. That sounds really, sounds very, first of all, a lot of, lot of moving pieces, but I love the focus there. I think that is, that is very cool. You can kind of relate now when I say, I don't know what I'm doing every single day, like a new project lands and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. And you have to figure out how to kind of clean it up, organize it, move forward um, with that without a whole lot of baseline knowledge. So 
been a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think, you know, you hit on that a little bit when you were talking about your experience, your experiences in the five questions, you know, I think, and I want to say this to kind of all of our, our listeners who are early in their careers, it's those experiences, those challenges where you really have no clue and you learn how to push through. So you can get a confidence in yourself that I don't really know how I'm going to get to the other side, but I know I can do it. And that I think is a really, a really good skill to have. Cause I think particularly women, we we're talking a lot about women today. A lot of times you're like, Oh, I'm not qualified. I can't quite get there, but actually you can, you just need to resource yourself, reach out to mentors and figure it out. But maybe you could just talk a little bit more about that because I think it is really important. Someone in your role, every day you come up against stuff, you have no idea how to do and you figure it out. <laughs> every day. The biggest piece of advice I can tell people is practice being uncomfortable. And I teach this to my mentees. I teach this to my employees and my children. How can you make yourself uncomfortable today so that you're comfortable being uncomfortable? And it's, it's even little things in life. I'm a millennial, so I'm not a huge person to just pick up the phone and make a quick phone call and try and resolve something. I'm going to text you, email you, wait for you to respond, you know, that kind of scenario. So I've been working a little bit more recently on you know, picking up the phone call or going, going somewhere, asking that question. And you can use that and work all the time, right? Because don't be afraid to say to your boss or to a coworker, I don't really know the answer to that question. I don't know how to get there. Can you help me brainstorm some ideas? Find a mentor. Like I cannot emphasize more about finding that mentor who's going to help you recognize those opportunities and push forward through them with coaching. And if you're, you've got a mentor who is not asking probing questions, try and find somebody else, right? Because because you need somebody to not necessarily give you advice, but coach you along the way, ask you those questions so that you get to that advice, you get to that moment yourself instead of just saying, okay, well, that person went that way. That's exactly what I should do. Maybe that's not the perfect fit for you. So kind of being able to recognize those just uncomfortable moments and and push through them and know you're going to be okay, right? So one of the biggest things that I do now is, I guess it's gloating a little bit, but well known for being able to fix things, right? So to be given a project to say, okay, this is going in 12 different directions and we need to find one direction for it and we're going to give it to you. And run. You know, I like to just sort of dive in. Okay. Show me everything, put all your cards on the table and we'll just identify each one as we go and figure out which pieces need to be corrected and which pieces are working great. So I tend to get a lot of those projects and I still, to this day, even though I'm known for being able to do that, look at it and go, oh, that can wait just because I don't know where to start. You know, like, oh yeah, I'm going to get to that tomorrow just because I don't know where to start. So it's it's just sort of forcing yourself into that. I love it. There's an expression I like to use, which is the brains are in the building. So in other words, even if you don't know, somebody does. So figure that out who that is. a great expression. Yeah. I'm going to steal that from you. That's a great expression. take it. Go for it. Brains <laughs> the problem the is building. sometimes you're the brain that's in the building and you're like, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's other people who can help. So I love that. That is just, I think, great advice. Great advice. Okay. So, uh, you know, I think Switching gears a little bit, we've had a really interesting run here uh, in the hospitality industry through the pandemic, et cetera. And I read an article that you had talked a little bit about using different KPIs. You know, traditionally, when we look at revenue management, year, you look year on year, you're like, what did we do last year? What are we doing this year? But I think with 2020, 2021, even 2022, we've had such a spike of like 
no bookings and then crazy ADRs and back and forth. So can you talk a little bit about how you think about looking at KPIs to to judge performance because the year on year has gotten so, for lack of a better word, funky over the last few years? <laughs> sure. The last, um, I would say probably three to six months, um, we've been really focused on trend analysis. So instead of year over year, looking more week over week by day of week, right? What did Monday do the last 12 Mondays? What is Tuesday done the last 12 Tuesdays? How are we breaking that down into, you know, occupied rooms by segment or by ADR and really kind of making that comparison as opposed to making the comparison month over month or year over year. And, you know, I went in this morning just to kind of look around to see, hey, is there anything that's sticking out? We have a team call every Friday and I'm responsible this week for company updates. Is there anything in the last 30 days that really come to light or the last 90 days that has changed? And you really do have to zero that down in, especially in June, right? Because May is a little bit different. June's a little bit different. April was a little bit of a different beast. And so with each week kind of changing, you definitely have different aspects that you have to look at. So if you just stick to that trend analysis, am I doing better than I did last week or the week before that? You'll tend to make better typing decisions than supposed to say, how did I do last month as a comparison or, or to prior year? You know, am I getting slowly better? Right. That's, that's what I want to look at. Okay. <laughs> if I'm not getting slowly better, let's make some changes. And what is happening? And then you dive into, okay, where's it coming from? Channel mix, et cetera. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So in revenue strategy, obviously everything is wrapped up in data, but how do you bring that back around to making decisions for the guest experience? So that's kind of the other piece of this. And I know you're focused on vendors and systems, but do you think about the guest experience as well with the data? Yeah, we do. So I'm um, kind of two different aspects to that is one, we are looking at even in revenue management, your service scores or your um, like online reviews, we take those to heart. And it's really about saying, hey, if you're having some problems from a top line revenue perspective, the first place we're actually going to look is what are your guests saying about your hotel? And how can we help you get the hotel in order and get your reviews up so that we really can sell that, right? You can only have so many first-time customers before you have to, you know, kind of refresh your image. And if there is something that we can help support in that category, then we're more than happy to, to do that. If it's an instance where you can't get your service scores up or there's some hurdles or struggles, we're going to reposition your hotel from a pricing perspective until you can focus on those matters. So it does take a kind of a different approach. So we want to know that the guest is having a great experience and then we're able to, on the flip side, you know, charge appropriately for that. So just making sure that there's that understanding and that relationship between the two. A lot of people don't think that exists. And we're like, yeah, well, yeah, actually it, it, it's a huge factor. And you just think about it yourself. Like when you're booking a hotel room yourself, and that hotel doesn't have really great reviews, are you going to book it? And even in the industry where I know that reviews aren't exactly accurate, I'm still going to be the same way, right? No different when choosing a restaurant or buying a new car or something like that. And so the other, the flip side aspect to that is we've been focused a little more this year on, um, I would say, putting in some building blocks for ancillary revenues. So really in revenue management, understanding what the value of spa, golf, cabanas, restaurants, what is that bringing to the table? And 
how do we help kind of affect some of that pricing and that experience level for that ancillary revenue, which um, has not really been tapped into, I don't think yet. Very interesting. Yeah, we we think about that a lot here at Revenate too, which I'll save for another time. But um, you know, that's all part of the picture. How do you get a full picture of the guests that are coming to your hotel, what they're spending, where they're spending it, so that you can make sure that you market to them appropriately, for lack of a, yeah, you're you're, exactly. you're making sure that you're driving back that loyalty based on what you know that they like effectively, right? The, and the data is there. It's just a matter of getting your hands on it and right. being able to figure out how to send analysis. They <laughs> yeah. Do it. yeah. Oh, exactly. fun with hospitality data. It's, it's oh, always yeah. all over the place. Don't get me started. <laughs> yes. uh, it's great. Okay. So Heidi, so to take us home, we are recording this in the beginning of summer. You know, what is your crystal ball predictions kind of for the rest of the year? How are we feeling about, you know, is revenge travel here? Is it back? I know you have a lot of, you have a lot of hotels in a lot of places. So are there any kind of insights that you can give our listeners on what you're seeing trend wise for the industry? We'll just talk about maybe the United States to keep it a little bit more limited, but which is still huge. Uh, but what are, you, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, so it's a, it's a fantastic question, right? And it's definitely a crystal ball. So when you look at where have we really seen more growth, especially in that ADR segment, which is where everyone is hyper-focused, it's been more heartlands for us. It's been more like Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio, Oklahoma, Indiana, which I think is really fascinating. I think our coastal areas did really well in 22, especially we have really heavy presence in Florida, California, and sort of up the East Coast. And those hotels, again, did really well in 22. And so without a larger influx of international travel, um, going back to those markets, that's going to stay relatively stable, maybe a, a slight ADR increase, but we're really seeing domestic travel exit, right, um, and go out now that it can. And we haven't really seen the international inbounds quite as quickly yet, especially from more Asian markets, China, Japan, India, those places yet. So still waiting for that. But, but the increase in Heartland travel, which I think is really more associated around youth group sporting events and summer sporting events and things like that, which has been great. Our portfolio is really, we do have some great full service assets, but we do have quite a few hand heavy on the select service side. So that is our bread and butter for a lot of that, that particular market. So it's good to see that that's still running really strong. What I am interested in from a summer travel perspective, you know, kind of two different perspectives, right? Is it didn't help that at the beginning of the summer, the airlines came out and the FAA came out and said, we don't have enough air traffic controllers to support and expect 40% delays. And then New York is under fire right now, you know? Um, and so you're like, how is that going to really affect uh, the traveler? So far, it hasn't, right? We have banging Memorial Day and the airlines seem to pull it off just fine without any any trouble. So I think that was a great outlook to hopefully how the summer is going to trend. And then uh, the other one being that BT traveler still not still not in existence. Um, it looks a lot different. Uh, it still continues to trend to look a lot different. It was encouraging to me actually to see the traffic uptick here in Dallas in May and then again in June. So you can see a lot of companies now finally Getting back to work, which is even a funny thing to say in the state of Texas, you're like, oh, I thought Texas has been back for like years. No, we still had some big financial institutions that hadn't been returning to work yet that finally are getting back onto their feet. So hopefully that's a good outlook for Q4 and we'll see a little bit more of that trend in a positive direction, but still haven't seen it yet like we wanted to. 
Okay. All right. So a little mixed bag, but at least we're off to, well, it seems like Memorial Day was a pretty good start and, and fingers crossed. Uh, and it would be love- a good leisure summer for sure. I mean, yeah. we'll still be on that leisure trend. I think um, it's not going to be in the same places, right? Because Florida is not doing as well as last year, but they're still doing okay. And our Caribbean market seemed to be doing okay. Texas is doing okay. It's just not Last year, it was just like, oh, my God. Everybody's Last like, year, it was that revenge travel. This year, it's sort of it's just travel. It's just who we just are now. Travel. Well, and it's good to hear the kids are getting back out, right? <laughs> the sports yeah. teams are on the yeah. road, and that's good. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right, great. Well, my my uh, guest has been Heidi Casillo, who is the Senior Vice President of Revenue Effectiveness at Ambridge Hospitality. Congratulations on the promotion, and thanks so much mm-hmm. for your time today. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for listening to the Hotel Moment Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe for more content. For more information, head to hotelmomentpodcast.com. The Hotel Moment Podcast is presented by Revenate and produced by Make More Media.